Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week, we have my friend Ellie Mae Watson joining us. Ellie Mae is one of the most creative people I've ever met. She is an incredible photographer and just has the most wonderful eye for design, but also, we just spent two weeks together in the Philippines, and guys, we have to tell you about our time with One Child, an organization that works with girls who have been trafficked and has a child sponsorship program in the Philippines, and we're here to recap it all for you. So stay tuned the entire episode because we also have a special offer at the end. And guys, we're just so excited to share about our experiences in the Philippines with you and how meaningful the work one child is doing. So let's get to it. Hey, Ellie May. Hello, Kelsey. Hi, Radiant Podcast. Oh, we are so excited to have you on. I've been excited about this conversation ever since we started talking about it. And I am really excited for the Radiant Tribe to get to meet you and know you. They probably follow along with you already. And so it'll be such a treat. And so I would love for you to start by sharing your story, who you are, what to do, all the things. I'm so excited to be here, you guys. Um, This is actually probably the second podcast I've ever done. So I'm excited. Woo! Um, I'm a photographer and I started out when I was probably around 16. It's definitely what I'm passionate about and what we do now. Um, My husband and I also run a design and branding agency and we live in Australia. So yeah, we kind of tie all that in with photography and um, we actually sell antiques online as well. So it's a bit of a mix, but yeah, it's something we really love doing and yeah, photography was my passion from when I was younger. And I kind of started out doing weddings when I was around 16, I'd say. And then it led into fashion blogging, which became kind of a big thing in probably around 2008. I remember there was a website called Lookbook that I was a part of. And that's kind of how I got more into learning about photography and just seeing how everyone dressed around the world inspired me a lot. And Yeah, I got my first camera at probably 16 that year and just started photographing whatever I could, whether it was just like my friends or self-portraits or um, my personal style. And that led me down the road to just being inspired by that whole scene and growing in that, which was really fun at that age. Yeah, totally. And so you've had this outlet for self-expression since a really young age. When did you start shooting weddings and turning it into a business? And simultaneously, I mean, you turned your fashion blog into a business. Were you still 16 then? Was that by the time you were 18? I mean, that's a pretty quick climb. It's kind of crazy to think about when it kind of came hand in hand. So when um, I started learning about photography, naturally, my friends would you know, that I'd photograph would come up and be like, hey, Ellie, you know, my sister's getting married. Do you want to shoot that wedding? Or uh, through the church I went to, um, just people getting married. I was 
became, you know, a, the photographer in the church or <laughs> whatever. So um, it kind of just grew side by side slowly. And I had incredible parents that, you know, gave me the freedom to do that. They weren't hounding me to go get another job or anything. And they encouraged me a lot just to pursue, sorry, to pursue photography in, in ways that I don't think I ever would if I just didn't have the support for that. So yeah, I see that in hindsight and that's something that's really valuable to me. Oh, that is so cool. You know, I, I too, I mean, my, my childhood wasn't perfect, but one thing my parents really killed it at was just creating possibility for me and, um, showing, telling me that like, it's not just the sky's the limits. There are no limits and that I really could do anything. So it sounds like because they believed in you, you believed in yourself. Was it uncomfortable to put yourself out there at the beginning or did you have to get comfortable with, you know, confidence or anything like that in those early days? Yeah, I, it's such a cool thing to to have, you know, as you grow older and you realize like a lot of people don't have that and it can be more of a rare thing to have like a network of people around you that really believe in you. I think um, having that made, you know, my base was comfortable, although when I'd go out to shoot different things or you know, meet people within, even in the fashion industry, naturally, I would have been probably really insecure without knowing that, oh, everyone at, you know, at home really like supports me in this. So it just gave me that confidence. Whereas I, yeah, I don't think I could have had that alone. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's, I mean, your talent's incredible and it's so cool that you had that community and that family to foster that in the the beginning. I mean, that's the parent I hope to be. And so, you know, what happened from there? You kind of moved into shooting weddings. You um, built this fashion blog, but that's even evolved since then. And then where we met is like a totally different expression of creativity. What happened from there? So I I did, I had a, fashion blog from when I was about I think it was when I was 16 as well it all started at 16 um and that was just like a blog spot and in that I guess 08 09 a lot of people had blog spots and that was kind of a cool place to express yourself and I had a Flickr account as well and then as I grew into like you know 18 19 I was focused more on fashion blogging which also kept evolving and then evolved into Instagram And, you know, all the influencer stuff came about, I guess, you know, the exchanging of clothes or occasional payments. So for years, it was, it was just like a, I guess like a base job. It wasn't, I wasn't making like a ton of money or anything. It was just for fun. And for those years I had kind of been like involved heavily with fashion. So it was like my identity was starting to like go in that direction, which was fun. Like in the lighthearted way, it was really fun. I liked I love fashion. I love learning about different brands and also being able to try out their their things and support them in ways. But I think for my own identity, um, I was naturally like as a teenage girl, I was just getting like a pretty caught up in it. And I don't think I was my most confident self in those years either. I'd moved out of home. I was fully dependent on you know, photographing brands and getting things sent. And I was kind of becoming this like every day that was all I would think about. And that's their kind of important years of your life. So I think into my early twenties, I made a 
bit of a switch. And that actually came when I met my husband, Christian, who's, he was really into design, but also doing similar things as me when we met, like he was kind of blogging in ways as well and getting sent things and involved in the design world with men's fashion. So we bonded on that. And it's funny even just saying this because I'm processing it out loud as well. I didn't really realize this until now, but we, we both kind of drew away from that side of things to focus on photography for me. And it was to focus on um, design, design work for him. And um, I was able to, you know, just photograph things for fun, which led into actually making presets, which I didn't think would ever be a thing. You know, in high school, I didn't even think that was a, something you could do with your life. Cause at that stage, I didn't even know about um, Lightroom or the editing softwares that, you know, in a couple of years to come, people would be so interested in. And yeah, so now it's um, where together we sell, we have an online shop, which we sell antiques out of. And we also sell just like simple things. We sell candles, we sell merch for the shop, like shop rags or just like little practical things, pens, paper that we never thought would even, it was always a side thing for us, but now it's kind of becoming like we're at a crossroads of do we want to pursue a shop or do we want to pursue just digital stuff or design stuff? So there's a whole mix going on and it's actually really exciting to be amongst and, and know, you know, if we didn't put the effort in for those, all those years in the beginning, we, we couldn't be where we are now. We couldn't have the experience of even dealing with um, people or understanding design in the way that we do. And of course there's a ton more to grow into, which I'm excited about. And Yeah, I love that you just said that in the sense that, you know, so many of our listeners could easily look you up on Instagram or look, you know, any number of our guests up and think like, I want to be there, but there's years of a backstory. Um, And in your case, 10 plus years from when you started to where you are today. And I think one of my biggest soapboxes here on the Radiant Podcast is playing the long game. Like no one gets to where they're going overnight. Um, And a lot of the times it takes a lot of different twists and turns and expressions, like maybe the (laughs) The mission is there all along, like the goal, like what your heart is and how you show up for people. But it might take like 17 different expressions over the course of life. You know, I think it's normal for that to be the case. So one thing I definitely want to talk about is, you know, you, you mentioned kind of feeling like when you were kind of in the fashion game of Instagram and um, your husband Christian was as well and feeling like a pulling back, he deleted his account What did you do during that season? Like, how did that shift take place? Because, I mean, like, that's a, he had a huge account. That's an extreme measure when it's your livelihood. But I think I would love to hear about your, your pivot then. Yeah, because I think some people feel like they're in too deep. Like, this is my livelihood. I can't change. It's all my money. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think you know, where we both have a a strong faith and he was just coming into his own faith when he made that decision. Within that time, we were just, you know, Instagram was a big part of, especially Christian's life. He had spent years building up this account and it was kind of everything to him. You know, his, all his networking was done through there. Like every day it was like almost like you're, you're a slave to this thing, which I don't think should be the case if you have, if you have anything in life, we should, you know, people should strive to be, to not be enslaved to it, to it, to be an asset to like who they are, but not like 
kind of running them. And I think that can be the case with a lot of businesses or even like jobs if your identity is getting formed within this thing, which is harder the, you know, the bigger you get or the more famous you get because a lot of the time the conversations you're having with people are revolving around like how cool it is what you're doing or, you know, people are fascinated and interested. And when you get that much attention, I think it can be even harder. So he actually had, like, we both had a massive wake up call in that period of life where he was basically faced with um, his past and our future. And we were, I think it was a couple of months before that we ended our relationship. I went back to Australia. He realized he was, he had been addicted to pornography, which was just like, the, in our opinion, the base of everything that was going on. And it was just like this, the online world kind of became like overly sexualized to him and almost like an area of weakness. And then the attention he would get from all kinds of people, especially women, was something that hindered our own relationship. So I never said to him, like, I want you, I don't want this in your life anymore. I didn't mind. And I think if he didn't delete it, he still would have been fine. But I think for him, it was taking um, just ownership of his life and knowing like, I don't want this thing to rule me. I don't want to be, you know, oh a slave to like random DMs that, you know, cause that's yeah. just, it's just what happens. Like people will fan over you. Lots of, you know, young girls as well. That would have been at that stage when he's trying to get over all of that, just to make the call and be like, I choose, you know, I choose my faith above this. If I lose work, at least I'm, you know, at least I have freedom and at least I have, face to go on and do other things so oh you guys <laughs> seriously I just could talk to y'all all day long because I I mean I really feel like y'all walk walk out a laid down life and um even at all costs you know like really walking out your faith um walking out your convictions you know and if you know, the conviction would have been to keep the account. That's fine too. But in this case, it was to delete it. It was to make changes and shifts. Like what was right for y'all in that season. And only you can answer to that. And only he can answer to that. And so it's just cool to hear y'all's story and to hear like all the twists and turns you've taken, even when it cost you something, even when it costs, like, I know what it's, I am a total workaholic. It's literally what I'm working on in therapy. And (laughs) It is, I have to set little tiny baby goals to be less addicted to work because there is this element of, but I have to, it's my work, you know, and it, it costs you something like it is, it is very fear inducing to lay things down like that. But it's like when you hit, when you know you're, you've hit a rock bottom or when, you know, you're going to have to really test things from experience. It's when you really get to know God in a way that you've never known him and it's like another building block so in a way it's just exciting like because you're gonna have to humble yourself and you're you're gonna have to let go and without doing something drastic a lot of the time we don't do that yeah I just think it's a it's a cool thing and God will work God works in ways that we just have no idea like we can be so stuck to something but we don't know you know if we let go of it this is going to come into our life or you can be used in this way, but if our mindset stays so, and we're always working on this too, Christian and I will talk about this like every night, like even coming back from this Philippines trip that we just went on, a new level of fear came into my brain that I never knew before. And I know it's a process of, you have to go through things and sometimes the world can get dark, but it was just like, 
at night I had to, I had to completely submit my brain (laughs) to like focusing on the goodness of God and focusing on how short this life is and not being fearful of that. And yeah, there's just like so many different, so many different paths we can take in life without God involved. But when he is things and you're submitting yourself, things do become so clear. Crystal clear. <laughs> That's yeah, been my year. Excitement, even when you have to sacrifice stuff, it's just like at least I'm walking in the faith. <laughs> yeah, and it can be deeply painful, but there is so much fullness on the other side. Speaking from living it this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, man. Well, I want to talk more about kind of how that fear has crept up, but I would love before we get there. For those of y'all listening, I, I would love for you to share how kind of your photography journey progressed and how it kind of led you to the trip we met on. You know, I, <laughs> uh, my friends laugh at me because I always end up on trips in an industry that's a little bit different than mine. Like this trip to the Philippines, um, Ellie and I met through a team that went with one child and it's a child sponsorship organization. And Ellie and I ended up on the same kind of part of the trip. They split our group in half, but I was on a trip with photographers of which I'm not. (laughs) I've also ended up on a trip before with rappers and YouTubers also of which I'm not. And so I just, I giggle because God is so good to put me exactly where I need to be, even when I'm maybe not qualified. (laughs) But it was just such a joy to spend two weeks in the Philippines um, doing what we were doing with one child. But I would love for you to share how you got there. And then we kind of dive in and into what one child is actually doing in the Philippines, because I know for me personally, I'm sure for you as well, like after that trip, I was like, man, I just want to tell everyone about what one child is doing in the Philippines. So the, um, so John sweet was one of Christian's friends and I had met him once and it was so fun. He, He came and stayed at our place in Portland when we lived there and he sent out the invite basically to Christian because I think he'd expressed his interest. I don't know if he'd expressed his interest prior in the Philippines to that, but basically Christian lived when he was younger. He left home at I think it was 14 or 15 and he went and lived with the Filipino family just up the road from him because his home life at the time was pretty rocky and he decided he made that call at 15 that he was going to leave home, which um, we talk about all the time now, like, <clears throat> what if you didn't do that? You know, like, what would your life be like? Or, yeah. Anyway, so he he spent his teenage years within that family, and he was really fond of it, fond of like the food, fond of the culture. And so when this trip came about, I think um, Christian was just like, yes, like this is something that I've I've always wanted to go see this culture. Like I have a special place within me for it. And I had also grown up separately with a lot of uh, family friends who are Filipino within, you know, my church when I was younger, they would play in the band and would go over for lunch. And I've also had a lot of friends um, who've, in, you know, who, whose families are from there and whose parents have been like, come, come stay, come see the Philippines. So it's always somewhere I've wanted to go as well. And I actually, um, when I was younger, when I first got my job, we were told in our church, you know, go and go and get a sponsor kit as soon as you start making money like make that decision to to do that don't wait so from actually the age of 16 as well I got my first sponsor child and uh, her name was Kathleen and she was from the Philippines too so all of these sync these things that just sync 
And I, that's always been something I've wanted to do, although this trip um, wasn't about visiting specific kids. I'm sure I'm going to go back and see her. But just going and seeing the place that, you know, she was from and and then going to meet the other kids and seeing what else, you know, that the country is facing and what it's, what it's like to live there was something that was really important for both Christian and I. So. Yeah. Thanks, John. Thanks, One Child. Yeah. Thanks, One Child, for inviting us. You know, before I went, I I have a background in going to mission school and, you know, spending some time in South Africa and Peru. And so I really was like, I'm eager to see like what One Child looks like on the ground. Like there's so many amazing programs out there doing impactful work, but you know, I specifically had a personal relationship with one child at being local here to Colorado Springs. My friend Amanda was running the program that now our mutual friend Ty is kind of running and or is running. And, you know, we have been talking for like a year and a half about me going on a trip and I was actually supposed to go to Africa last year but kind of had my dad had hip surgery lots of uh, random family things and so I was like you know what I'm gonna go to the Philippines and there's something about it like all year and the anticipation that just felt like I think I'm meant to be on this trip and once we were there I just felt like oh that that couldn't be truer like I was meant to be here it, it was really cool to have the privilege to go. You know, it wasn't about us or what we were doing. We were just getting a window into what they're already doing and sharing about it. I would love to hear, Ellie, like what was most impactful about what you took in through the trip, what you expected, what you didn't expect. That's so cool. By the way, I didn't know you'd done the missions trips before that. Yeah. Yeah, we, I think... So we went to visit mainly the girls in the ranch who had been rescued from sex trafficking or rescued from OSEC, um, which is the online sexual exploitation of children. So there were all of these girls that were under, you know, under 18 that had been involved in, um, in this world, which is so dark. And I think that I had already, like since being young as well, I was introduced to, I think it it was another organization that were helping the girls. And I remember being, I think it was 15 at a, like a massive, some kind of conference and hearing about it and just feeling so, it was like the most angry I'd ever felt at an, at something that was unjust just because of how separate, you know, I was raised to think like, you know, sex is something that happens when you're are committed to someone and, you know, it's an action of love and, to hear that that was even a thing that people could think about or like let alone that was the reality of people's lives that the whole perception of it had just been completely warped in order to you know to make money or not even money just out of like being taken advantage of I think the reality of going and and not even seeing it because we didn't really see it we just saw beautiful you know we saw a bunch of beautiful young girls that were seemed like filled with joy and and just happy to be around but in the back of your mind just knowing like this how dare people put them through that having that thought there was like really dark just to know that the things that they've had to face at that age or you know at any age nobody should have to face that so I think that was the most 
hard hitting thing for me. And then over the past couple of years with us in our own relationship, having gone through, you know, like addressing pornography in our own relationship and realizing how damaging that was to have done like research in that area and just know like at least a little of what goes on and like why people are addicted. And it's just like this big messy thing the world is in right now and huge gray areas because of the end. It just made like that side of things still makes me really just angry that people can't see or admit to how, how wrong it is, even if it's pornography in general, but just like, it's almost like I visualized this hook of addiction mm-hmm. that people get like latched onto. It's just like all the the selfishness takes place of a, like a human. It can appear that things aren't wrong when they're obviously so wrong. Today's podcast is sponsored by Denison Ministries. Denison Ministries is a movement creating 7 million culture-changing Christians who are committed to carrying out the truths of the gospel to their sphere of influence through a variety of ways, which is why Denison Ministries is excited about what God is doing through today's podcast. One of the cool ways Denison Ministries helps Christians unpack the culture around them is through their Denison Forum. The Denison Forum is designed to help Christians thoughtfully engage the issues of the day from a biblical perspective. Each day, Jim Denison writes on the cultural and contemporary issues of the day through his daily article. You can sign up to get the Denison Forum daily article sent directly to your inbox at denisonforum.org or start your day off with the Daily Article Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to today's program. One thing that just became like wildly apparent to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, like you you and Christian know so much more on this specific topic than I do. And guys, like go read their posts. Like we'll link up um, Ellie in the show notes and you'll have to go check out their posts because they talk a lot about this. But, you know, it was a very real picture, especially the night we were in the red light district. And there were one of the most jarring little scenes for me was watching two young guys that, you know, our friends ended up meet like chatting with that were from California, just on vacation, wearing like joggers and a black t-shirt, like exactly what my friends would wear. They looked like they were under 30. They looked like my friends and they were on a sex vacation, you know? And it, I think it was shocking to me to be like, oh, this, like the entry point is pornography, but then your tastes become more demanding and you want something else and then you want something else and then you want something more intense and more, 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 more. And that you don't just wake up and say like, I want to consume child pornography or, you know, traffic a child, but that is the progression, unfortunately. And and we have a lot going on about the rights of sex workers and all of this stuff. It's almost like an empowerment movement for the sex industry. But I think it was really jarring to see like, oh, this is where that gets us. Like to people buying children in the back of a bar. Really shocking. And to see that man, like we saw a European man at a gas station with a little kid and it was one in the morning, so like that they were together for a reason. Like I think that was such I felt tremendous grief. And I think like coming home, I I didn't expect to I expected to feel heavy, but I didn't expect culture shock to present like it would when I got home after just 
like really facing such heavy subject matter that is like the reality of day-to-day life for so many people and and really in this case so many kids I think was it a hundred thousand estimated cases in just the city we were in alone in Cebu wow yeah and just like the the fact that we know now that this is floating this has got like not floating it's like buzzing around the internet like over like continuously like this stuff is out there now people like anyone can access it kids can access it like people it can pornography in in general has become its own industry that it's almost like a touchy subject for people to talk about because if you're consuming it and you're involved in it I think there's like kind of a separation you get from the rest of the world that it's kind of like you're closed off to wanting to hear other perspectives of how how it can be damaging as well it's not something of love like it naturally produces things that don't agree with love it's not like giving it's not yeah there's plenty of of things that it doesn't help with in relationships or in personal life but just the way that it's it's growing and the more intense porn is getting and the demands that other countries are, are having to include into their day-to-day life that they think is a good way of making money for them to begin with but it's completely corrupt and once these girls get out of it it takes them the rest of their you know it takes them years and years to have to learn to like see the world normally again and that's also something I don't think like people just don't think about that when you're when you're getting into something like that the actual human side of it's not just like a screen or a person that's like protected by a screen it's it's an it's a life and they're having to navigate through all of the trauma because it is trauma especially at underage to have to be aware of that all of that and what was wild to me was how you know the government has cracked down on child trafficking there's no country in which child trafficking is legal and what apparently, you know, in the the red light district we were in, there it used to be like children used to be a lot more visible for purchase, but we didn't see a ton of children. But what has evolved in the crackdown is, you know, with the evolution of the Internet, which I thought, well, I'll, I'll say I, I thought, you know, you and Christian had a really interesting point about privacy versus safety. And, and we'll touch on that in a second. But, you know. With the evolution of the internet and the dark web, people can just put videos of these children on the internet instead of selling them at a bar. And it was justified, it's been justified as like, well, I'm not actually selling them with someone to like go sleep with. You know, they're not with a person, it's all virtual, but it's so damaging. And they said it's so hard to crack down on those cases. I think they said in 2017, there were 60,000 cases. Um, but only 27, like not 2,700 or 27,000, but like 27 total were prosecuted. And that was just like insane to take in. Yeah. Because of the time it takes as well. They were saying to just to like go through court cases, it just takes so long there. So to address all of these cases is like nearing impossible to them. Well, yeah. And yeah. what were y'all saying about privacy? You know, we all want privacy on the internet, but that does put things in place that protect, protect these consumers of child pornography. We can't find them because of privacy yeah. things. Because of the encryption, yeah, on like messaging apps or like WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger, there's like 
now privacy like code set around all those messaging systems that like you know not even government or I guess government if they really wanted to but there's just so many cases of child pornography spreading now that they don't have the time to go and look into all of them and with that protection people know like they're sending these videos or messages illegally that you know that privacy is protecting them from ever getting caught or from other people being able to realize what they're doing yeah I honestly the more I think about it the more you can see that you know pornography runs a lot of the internet and a lot of money has to come through it 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 run it even runs into fashion it runs into many industries that are a softer version but it's like it's almost like pampers you before you're you're grown up as a kid to accept this thing accept sexuality like if you're a woman accept that like this is a way that you should look and fit in and even within you know protected cultures or within christianity and within that covering it's so easy to get and even me as growing up like i definitely got affected by that without even realizing it like thinking that you have you like it's pretty to look this kind of way which really at its root is a form of sexualizing if like oh yeah things have to be that short and if like dresses have to have that slit to be cool or if and not like I'm not demonizing fashion but just like there's just so many little things like within the makeup industry within social media within like just little like things that sink in to make your brain normalize it and just not totally the tiny nuances or subtleties of day-to-day life that condition us to accept it yeah it's wild well i mean i felt like my eyes were opened in a like i totally expected to go on the trip and my eyes be opened but it's different when you see it up close and personal and it almost puts a like conviction on your heart to go to go tell about it and some of the filipino ladies that we were kind of on the ground with the people that are actually doing the work day in and day out that are truly laying their lives down and that allowed us a glimpse into their day-to-day life i heard one of them say like i would die for this i would lay my life down and i was like oh my god cue the tears a but just the commitment of people to change the um, destinies of a generation of children in the Philippines. And so I would love for you to share about, you know, the most meaningful moments for you at the ranch. I'll, I'll say for me, meeting girls who have been trafficked. Like, honestly, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't expect to go in there and they just be in mourning or sad, but I did not expect the level of joy with which they live day to day. And I think that's just such a testament of the work one child is doing of not just making sure they're fed and clothed, but like actually walking with them towards healing and restoration and having, you know, I think they said like 45 staff members to 50 children. So almost a one-to-one ratio of adult to child there to like nurture and help to walk with them towards restoration. Like these girls were full of joy. It was so moving. Yes. I, I definitely agree with you on that. And just like knowing the system that one child has put in place like that, like having that much leadership and that much intentional guidance for their their faith to grow as well and for them to be able to see beyond what's happened in their life and something we sat in on one of the interviews with um one of the social workers and she was she was like 
obviously in in tears a lot of the interview it was hard for her to her to speak about certain things because you could see how dedicated she was to the girls and how much of these girls were her life and I think they even said she had never been on a, a holiday since a couple of days before she came in but just like knowing their dedication is is so real and what they feel for them and she was um, basically saying that you know the girls don't just openly come and talk about what's happened sometimes it takes them years to freely be able to speak it from themselves like nobody pulls it from them um, and they don't even like to to label the girls like or have those thoughts in them their minds of what they've been involved with they like to see them as just like children of God with ultimate potential and let them dream as much as they can let them be as uh, excited about their future as they can or like dabble in the things that their heart wants to do which can also take them years to even realize that you know this is a possibility for my life like um a lot of the girls would just say I want to all I want to do is help my family which is which is incredible like to hear but she was saying they they're trying to train these girls like ultimately to forgive what has happened to them and to be able to come out of this schooling and to become come out of their education and their time at the ranch and know that you know if they have to look one of these men or like a family member in the eye again and who has done so has caused so much hurt in their life that they'll be able to completely forgive them and know exactly how to love them um, beyond everything which is such an uh, like it's such an inspiring thing to hear for any you know for anyone because I remember thinking like every single person in this on this world has hurt and we all go through dark things and that's like the ultimate thing everyone needs to do and for these young like girls that are literally some of them are like the youngest kids there are two and three I think or three and four and then a lot of them are like eight, nine. They come in at um, from nine to twelve, I think, the most age. But to have that trauma from such a young age, and to just have the focus be completely on on bettering them and growing out of it, and seeing God's love for them unconditionally, like aside from everything, and for them to be who they are, and like the girls that we met, is just it just completely inspired us like on every level of life, like how we can be as well in, in situations and yeah, just their excitement for like love in the future. Even like they were asking Christian and I like, how long have you guys been married? Do you have kids? Like they were just so excited about our marriage and it made me realize like this is, it's so good for them to have such a healthy, you know, perspective and for them to be able to meet, even young guys their age as well as they're growing through their teenage years and to have healthy crushes and to see like love is um is a lot greater and it's just like there's still so much excitement in that for them yeah it was I thought it was really special to see that excitement um and it, it was a true picture of like hearts restored like they have had the worst of the worst things happen to them and they still have the ability to dream yeah that was incredibly moving and like wow this is something I want to be a part of you know and just honestly it was a privilege to meet them and meet the ladies who are there facilitating this work every single day you know they are the ones who have laid their lives down one child's the one who you know facilitates this from a funding perspective and so it's just like really moving in the current climate 
mission work, any kind of really even global aid is getting a lot of flack because some things have not been done well. And it was really encouraging to see this be stewarded so well to meet up close and personal. Oh, wow. Like, no, I actually went to the community where the sponsorship will go to, you know, when you sponsor a child, I went there, I met those kids. And I think sometimes you can kind of be hesitant. I think people, especially our parents' age, are sometimes hesitant to get involved because they don't trust that, you know, everything's run with integrity. But to go and to see and to hear stories of from the girls, from the caseworkers, from every single like link in the chain, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm in. Like this, this impact is meaningful and it changes these little girls' destiny. The perspective of just like faith in everything is incredible. Just like, because obviously we, we all need it to get out of any situation, but just to see the amount they cling to their faith and like yeah. the kids yeah. understand and know God in a way that's completely transformative. And for us, really inspiring. Like every time we went to a church service in the morning and the entire time it was just like an all girl band. Yeah. <laughs> at the top of their lungs. And it was like, it was hard for me to just like worship without fighting back tears. Like I don't even think I could get many words out because of the, just the spiritual atmosphere of the place was so beautiful. Yeah, it was yeah. a worship service entirely led by children. I was like, yeah. dang, my church, we got to get it together over at my yeah. church because if these 11-year-olds can run a service, then like we got to step it up. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> I, I was fighting back tears the whole time too. Man, I yeah. could talk about this all day long. Ellie, I would love, you know, before we close up to share you and Christian, your husband are kind of heading this up, but I would love to share about how our radiant listeners can get involved. It's giving Tuesday as this episode goes live. But even if you listen to this a year later, you can still get involved. There will be a link in the show notes. How can someone get involved today? And we've been putting together a little incentive for people to give a little and get a little for the holidays. It's really exciting. We have put together um, a bundle of presets that we've made, and this was all just inspired by our trip over to the Philippines. And it's basically for any kind of photographer. um, And in different lighting situations, you can use these presets. And it's basically just a little incentive so you can get something back, but also know that the money you're spending is going straight to these kids, straight to these girls. And yeah, it's something that we're, we do a lot. So we're excited to, to share it with you guys, but also the baseline of this whole message is just to like empower children, to give them possibility, to help them see that they can do anything that they desire and then that's a possibility so yeah guys like your money for those of you listening like if you do choose to give today or anytime moving forward because this link will always be available not to get the bundle of presets but to just give to simply get involved with one child whether that's giving a one-time donation or sponsoring a child like we went to these communities and even aside from the ranch which is funded all by one child but to the communities where children are sponsored we met the moms of these children who were like, thank you. Like, I, I know my children is going to get the medical needs they need. They're going to get the education they need. They're going to have mentors. We met these amazing mentors who are volunteers from their 
their local communities. Athena Lloyd, if you're listening, hey friends. We got to meet up close and personal people who are impacted by the $39 a month one of you can give. And so, um, and again, if that feels like too much, you can give a one-time donation and you'll get these preset presets too. And guys, I'm just saying, I am not a photographer. I was on this trip with these amazing creatives and I am a preset user. I am no photographer by trade but it does help a sister out when I'm trying to post something creative. So this is for all of you. (laughs) You can download the Lightroom app. It's free. It will help you create some beautiful photos that you can post or have some beautifully edited. It'll feel like a professional touch on the photos around your house. And it's just a fun way to give you something for getting involved with an organization we really believe in. Ellie May, thank you for joining us today. Where can everyone find you? Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> um, if you, my Instagram is just Ellie Mae Watson, um, and Ellie Mae is my website name, elliemae.com. So Y'all, her work is incredible. Feel free to check it out. Thanks for having me on the show. It was really exciting and just like a good outlet for well, me. Even it and, was a joy to have you on and just to share what what we got to take in to give you know the Radiant Tribe a small window into what our time in the Philippines looked like and hopefully. They can link arms with us and we can go further together than we could ever go alone. Thanks for joining us, Allie. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Duncan is here to keep you running with a much needed taste of normal to work, home or work from home with the coffee you like just the way you like it. Whether that's a small hot black coffee, your daily 2 p.m. latte, or a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant and a medium iced coffee with oat milk, one sugar, two pumps of caramel, one pump hazelnut, a swirl of French vanilla, and a shot of espresso. I call it my p.m. pep rally. You should really try it. Whatever it is that gets you running, Dunkin's got you and always will. America runs on Dunkin'. Everybody needs reliable home internet, but who needs the hassles that come with it? That's why T-Mobile is bringing you a new choice for high-speed home internet without annual service contracts or data caps. With T-Mobile Home Internet, you get a fast and reliable connection for just $50 a month with AutoPay. That's right, 50 bucks a month with no hidden fees and no price hikes. So, Minnesota, what are you waiting for? Sign up at T-Mobile.com slash home internet. During congestion, home internet customers may notice speeds lower than other customers due to data prioritization. Coverage not available in all areas. Qualifying accounting credit required. $5 more per month without auto pay. See rep for details.